live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so how about them Cowboys? I mean, how about them Cowboys? How about them glory days? Glory hole days. How about getting back on Jarrah's schedule? My schedule. And how about one Rain Dakota Prescott? Had to government that dude after the way he played. Pretty amazing what this Cowboy team can do and look like when Dak is not throwing it straight to the other guys over and over again. Just the same. Pretty incredible how terrible the Bucks are. Even if that's nothing new and not a surprise. Thing is, it's been forever since the Cowboys looked this good in a game that really mattered. And forever since Bacon 45 has looked this bad in a game that really mattered. In fact, I'm not sure he has. I'm not sure. Never mind the stats. Never mind those inflated, hollow stats that meant nothing. The guy did have to put it up 66 times to get those numbers that meant nothing. When was the last time you saw that guy look that jittery and that disinterested in getting hit? Anyway, I've never seen that guy look that bad on a stage that big. Anybody who thought that some big second-half comeback was brewing has not been watching Tampa all season long because the Bucs have been ass all year long. But they did save their biggest dump in their pants for last. And now the Cowboys have finally gotten over on Bacon 45. They finally have a win against the geriatric GOAT. And that win almost certainly is going to put an end to the Bacon era Buccaneers. The Baco Buccaneers are cooked. But I'll tell you who's not. I'll tell you who's not cooked. Big fella, Mike McCarthy. I mean, we can question whether or not Dallas is that good or the Bucs are that bad. But the big fella had them ready to play last night. So I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about Big Mike being the biggest winner of all last night, allegedly. Big Mike, allegedly, was not coaching for his job, allegedly. But now it seems like that's not really a factor. Now it seems like he is back in line for another big sleepover at the Jera Mansion. Because Jera seems like he's falling in love with Big Mike all over again. After the game, he sounded like a teenager with a brand new crush. Jarrah said, quote, You think I was sold on him before this outstanding game for the Cowboys? I've gone up a notch. I like that, Alvy. I like where you went with that. Jarrah. Jarrah on Big Mike after the game. Yeah. You think I was sold on him? Before this outstanding game for the Cowboys? Well, I've gone up a notch. I've gone up a notch. Got a couple new sleeping bags. We'll be up all night drinking bourbon. Nice warm fire, crackling wood, telling stories. Smooth jazz and even smoother bourbon. Talking about the good old days. today. as pure as mother's milk. Got some, we got ourselves some more glory days. It's glory as smooth as circumcising a mosquito. Proud of you, Michael. I'm proud of you. Meet your new stepbrother, Stephen. He's pumped. So, eh, Big Mike does get that invite for another sleepover. Gotta say, he earned it. He earned it because, believe it or not, that was the Cowboys' first road playoff win in three decades. The last time the Cowboys won a road game in the postseason postseason was actually 30 years ago today, January 17th, 1993, in Frisco. I mean, how hard is that to believe? 30 years ago today was the last time they won a road playoff game. So if Big Mike wants to take a big sigh of relief because he did not take another big dump in his pants. Big fellas earned it. He also might want to thank the Bucks for barely showing up last night. 
I mean, seriously, what the hell was that? It was like bacon. Finally threw his first red zone pick as a buck, and the entire team just shut it down right there on the spot. Forget wondering if Tampa is about to blow this thing apart in the offseason. We just watched them blow this thing apart on the field during the game last night. Already reports coming out of Tampa that O.C. Byron Leftwich is expected to be bleep canned. And if Todd Bowles does not end up following him into that wood chipper, he should consider himself fortunate as hell. Because nothing about that team was well coached. We can get into whether or not Brady is in fact washed and what Brady should or should not do. But I'm going to tell you what he's not going to do. This much I do know. No way in hell that guy gets anywhere near that dumpster fire with the Bucs ever again. I don't know what he's going to do. We could talk about what he should or should not do, but I know this. That guy's not going anywhere near them ever again. Pretty clear he's already played his last down for them. Given his unwillingness to stand in and take any more shots or punishment to make a play, I think it's fair to ask whether or not this guy even wants to run it back at all again. I mean, he'll say it. He'll act like it, but watching that guy in the pocket, does he look like he wants to take even one more hit? Even one more hit? It sounds like he does if you listen to him, but it sure as hell doesn't look like he does. Now, I think the one thing we can all agree on about Bacon 45, no way in hell he plays another down for the Bucks. That's it. I didn't need to see or hear him after the game to know that much, but... He all but confirmed it when he did get in front of the media once that ass-kicking was complete. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and um, you know, hopefully um, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me. All you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. I mean, what's that sound like? Does that not sound like Jimmy Garoppolo last year leaving Frisco? Does that sound like somebody who's coming back? The only thing missing was love you guys, and then it would have been the exact same speech. The two of those dudes must have the same speechwriter. That dude's gone. That dude's already browsing Vegas real estate. That dude's already texting Gronk to meet him on the strip. Tommy is single. Tommy needs a winger. That guy's the ultimate winger. Roger that. Or can you imagine? Can you imagine this guy trying to figure out if and when or how he could actually finish off his career back home in Frisco. You know, take advantage of all those amazing weapons they have offensively. Take advantage of Kyle Shanahan's offense. Take advantage of and gravy train that great Niner defense to another ring as they continue to try to develop and get Trey Lance ready. I mean, I could see it. The one thing I do know, that guy's not going back to Tampa. No way he wants any part of any of that ever again. However, despite all that, I think what I've done, and I might add irresponsibly, is bury the lead. Because I do have a new favorite player. The newest member of the Jacoby Myers Hall of Fame is my dude, Brett Maher. He's getting his own wing. I'm pretty sure I have never seen a more entertaining or more random subplot in an otherwise unwatchable blowout. And it's got to be one of my favorite things ever. Because he absolutely, just like that, became one of my favorite guys ever. I've got no idea how it's possible for a professional kicker to miss four extra points in the same game. I mean, I'm watching this time I'm thinking to myself, I, I literally cannot take my eyes off this. This is amazing. Like, I love Trevor Lawrence. I was in awe that he threw four first-half picks. This is so much more impressive. Think about it. 
Now, actually, check it. He missed four extra points in a row in the same game. I'm just so glad my man did step up and did not deliver and become the first kicker in the history of the sport to ever miss four-point afters in any game, regular season or postseason. Like, I'm not mad. I'm impressed. I have gratitude. I'm thankful because Maher just saved the game from being basically unwatchable. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? And if Dallas deserves praise for anything last night, it's how they stepped up and had my guys back afterwards. Dak put it perfectly. I'm Money Mars' biggest fan. Uh, obviously, I've been no, showing you're not. the video of me. Uh, and that's just emotion. That's just, that's part of it. But, but. Yeah, I mean, I talked to him individually, told him, just told him after the game, hey, let that go. We're going to need it. Um, I, I just played like a week ago. So, I mean, th- th- that happens. Uh, but when you believe in each other and you believe in uh, what we're capable of doing and knowing what that guy's done, uh, what resiliency he's shown throughout his career personally, no doubt that he'll come back next week and be, be perfect and uh, help us win. Most of that is true, but not all of it. And especially that part about him being Money Maher's biggest fan. Straight up lie. You're a liar. You're a liar, Dak. You are. Because I am Money Maher, his biggest fan. And I am pumped to report that his job is in no way in jeopardy after that breathtaking performance last night. In fact, I think this guy did enough to get an invite to the Jarrah sleepover party. Jarrah didn't say that, but he was pretty definitive that Money Maher is in fact safe. Will you look at some kickers no. this week? No. Okay. We won't. We just, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's done enough good ones. Tell you what, for once, Jera and I are on the same page. If you've got a problem with Brett Money Maher, you've got a problem with yourself. Or you bet the over. Because the over-under on total point score in that game last night was 45 and a half, or exactly a half point more than Dallas and Tampa combined to put up. So any one of those four missed point afters would have gotten you paid if you bet that over. And my response to that? Oh! Yeah, my response to that. And got my ass kicked this weekend. It'll happen. So again, if you've got a problem with Money Maher, you got a problem with you. Or you bet the over. Or your name is Peyton Manning. We all know nobody hates kickers like Pinky hates kickers. So you know Pate was seeing red on the Pinky cast last night. Yeah, going left, throwing back right in the end zone. Oh my God. You've got to be kidding me. I've never seen anything like it. Why are we kicking on? it? Why are we kicking it? What is going on? You can't believe it. Talk about a buzz kill. No one's ever missed three field, three extra points in a row. That's got to be a record. You a guy at halftime of a playoff game? got to be a record. I mean, y'all are football royalty, and y'all know more and have forgotten more than I could ever know in a million years, but how could you be so wrong about something like that? What do you mean, buzz kill? That's the only reason any of us were still watching that game, to see how many he'd miss. I mean, Pete, dude, relax. Chill out. Did you have a bet 
on that game as well? Did you bet the over as well? It was a blowout, dude. This isn't like your idiot kicker, okay? Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot kicker who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot kickers. He has ruined kickers for life. Akers and Vinatieri, these guys are great guys. They've been getting killed all week because our idiot ran his mouth. So when I get home, I'll deal with it. Tony and I talked about it. It's kind of funny, really, when you think about it. If he is still a teammate, we'll deal with it. You know, that remains to be seen. But the sad thing is, Lynn, he's a good kicker. He's a good kicker, but he's an idiot. Buzz kill my ass. Let me tell you about those kicks. He missed the first one, I would have blown a point one. He missed a second one, I would have blown a point two. He missed that third one, I would have blown a point three. And by the time he missed that fourth one, I was legally dead at point four. What do you mean, buzz kill? I got drunk as hell without even drinking watching that. He just gave us some of the most amazing entertainment ever during an otherwise incredibly boring game than most people would have turned off. If anything, Pate, he's the anti-idiot kicker. Idiot kicker. He's my new favorite kicker. Hell, he's my new favorite player. No, he's my new favorite human being. Easy, Pink. Give it a rest. Why are we kicking it? Nothing. Not even kicking. Why are we kicking it? Because... He might miss again. That's why we're kicking it. Got to be kidding. Why are we kicking it? Why do we do anything? Because we can. Listen, nothing, not even kicking drama can get in the way of those amazing Cowboy vibes this morning. Because Cowboy fan and Cowboy owner have been waiting three decades for these vibes. That's the team everybody's been waiting on. Getting to this point has been like, I don't know, how would you even describe it? Getting to this point after all this time, because I'm old enough to know, and I worked in the business then, I remember the glory hole days. I remember the triplets. I remember how awesome that all was. You know what it's like been waiting, waiting this long for this? It's been like, like circumcising a mosquito. Circumcising a mosquito. It's been like, I don't know, coughing up a lung. That painful. But you know what? Jarrah called it. I got to give it to the old guy. He called it. They did suck on that Washington loss all week long. And they saved Big Mike's ass and Jarrah's hopes for getting back to the glory days and getting back on schedule. I'm talking with Jay Woods of Omega Tax Credits about small businesses under 500 employees qualifying for a tax refund from a new program. Tell me again, Jay, how long does it take for somebody saying, yeah, I don't know, I probably don't qualify. I'm saying find out because you don't know. How long does it take for them to find out? You don't have a more important 10 minutes in your day than these 10 minutes. That's it. 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com and find out. Jay is right for your business. There is not a more important 10 minutes. Steve Pike was my guest. Steve, it is good to have you back. How are you? Jim, I appreciate you having me on. It's nice to be talking Rutgers basketball at this time of the year. So I love it. I always appreciate it. No, I love it, Steve. I really want to talk Rutgers basketball. So there's plenty of work still to be done. I get this, but so far so good. The team did crack the AP top 25 for the first time since February of 2021. You've got a couple of really nice wins so far in the always rugged Big Ten. How is this particular group doing in your mind? Has it found its identity yet? And do you like what you see? Yeah, Jim, this has been like one of my favorite groups to coach. They're, uh, really coachable. Um, we have maturity. Uh, we have older guys, Caleb McConnell. Um, I think he's the national defensive player of the year. He was the big 10 player, uh, defensive player of the year last year. He's back for his fifth year. Paul Mulcahy is a tough New Jersey, uh, point guard who really has been through some wars here. And we have a center cliff Moray who blocks shots and leads the nation in dunks. Um, but we have a group of guys that really have filled in around them that have done an unbelievable job. A kid named Cam Spencer who, um, you know, has come in and become one of the best shooters in our conference. And Mawat Mag, a kid out of California, a prolific prep, um, who's a terrific defender. And then 
we have a huge advantage with our home court. We have Jersey Mike's Arena is sold out every game. Our students pack it. It's become a unbelievable environment. So this has been a fun year. We defend with everybody. We lead our league in steals. I think we're one of the best defensive teams in the country. And, um, you know, it's been fun, coachable, and uh, knock on wood, we've been healthy. You know, Steve, I got to pick my spots because you said about a half dozen things that I wanted to ask you about anyway. But let me ask you about the sport you're getting. You're consistently drawing big crowds with a series of sellouts. In fact, your next home game against Penn State January 24th is already sold out. Given all the sports options in the tri-state area, how gratifying is it then to have the level of support that you're getting at home in Piscataway? Uh, I mean, it's just so satisfying because we, you know, we have the giants winning. Now you got like a lot of different options, you know, around this area and that people are coming out. Our students have been, you know, unbelievable and they're scalping tickets and the lines out the doors are, are just tremendous. And, you know, we have a team that I think people, you know, you know, could be excited about supporting. We have seven of our kids made the Dean's list this past semester you know, we've graduated everyone since we've been there. They're great kids. They're in the community. And so I think they're getting rewarded for the type of, uh, of people they are and, and type of work that they do within the community. You know, Steve, the thing is, it's something that, like, you think that a coach is supposed to say, but the fact of the matter is you get rave reviews for your ability to lead and the way you develop players and young people and the type of culture that you're looking to develop right there. I want to ask you something. In such a cutthroat, results-oriented business, is it enough to win, or do you want to win a certain way? You know, I've never had those kind of jobs that you just roll the ball out and win. Like, I'm about you know, great people, kids getting better. I want them to enjoy their college experience. Like that's really a part of what we're trying to do here, you know, at Rutgers. And, you know, I have an unbelievable, you got to have a great staff. Brandon Knight was one of the great players at Pittsburgh and he's on my staff. Carl Hobbs, a great, you know, player at UConn and TJ Thompson, you know, he was a great player at George Washington university. So I have a great staff that, you know, great family people, um, are into the same experiences for our kids and graduating is a big part of it. Um, so it's, it's really a lot more than about winning because, you know, every job I've taken, it's been tough at first to win, but you know, if you can graduate and kids get better, I mean, Ron Harper came to us as, as a young high school player and he's playing for the Toronto Raptors now. And he graduated. We have four kids in grad school now that are in our program. So they're getting their masters and, you know, I love them. They're at all the football games. They get out in the community. So I think college is so much more than just roll the ball out and play basketball. I get that's what they get accolades for is, is the winning. But, you know, I'm about more than that. And, and I want more of an experience for my kids. We're talking Rutgers basketball. Head coach Steve Peichel is my guest. Now, Steve, I know you're concerned about Michigan State and what you have in that locker room right now. But you did just land the highest ranked Rutgers recruit ever in Ace Bailey, what would, what did it feel like to hear him say, Coach, I'm coming, and then what does that commitment mean to the team, the program overall? You know, unfortunately, I can't talk about any, you know, those commitments. Um, you know, just I'm, I'm very happy about, you know, the guys that, you know, are in the program right now. We signed a kid named Gavin Griffin and Griffiths in the first uh, early signing period. He's the number 30th ranked player in the country. And he's, you know, I could speak about him because he signed and, you know, just again, great kids from great families. That's what we're trying to get here. And, you know, um, the rankings, you know, I'm more important with, with those other things. Are they quality? Are they workers? Do they want the college experience? And that's what we're trying to, you know, focus in on. The fact of the matter is, Steve, I should know that, right? I should know better than you expecting you to talk about that, but I saw a video which was viral, and the energy was so great. The energy was so great, they got caught up, and I had to ask you, but I respect that response. I understand that response. What about Michigan State? Now, you know. You know what you're going to get when you go to their place. Generally, what's it like to go up against the Spartans, and then how much respect do you have for Tom Izzo personally and what he has built and maintained in East Lansing? I know how hard it is to win one game, and and what Tom Izzo has done at Michigan State is – like unbelievable. And by the way, one of the great guys that, you know, I've ever met, he's a coach's coach. He reminds me, you know, I played for Jim Calhoun um, and, and is my mentor and, you know, coach is, is, oh, I put him up on that same pedestal, you know, going to be 
uh, on the Mount Rushmores of great coaches that have done it right. And, uh, you know, he's got another great team every year. It doesn't matter. They change the names. Kids graduate, leave, go to the NBA. Uh, they're going to play great defense. He's going to run the ball up and down the floor. The Breslin Center is one of the toughest places in the country to play. Um, you know, so we have to go into a place where we've never won, Jim. So we've never won at Michigan State. And, and and have to play really well against a Hall of Fame coach in a great program in order to, you know, have some success and come out of there with, with some happy guys. So, Steve, final thought, because you mentioned Jim Calhoun. What was your biggest takeaway from playing for him, being an assistant coach for him? How did he shape you as a head coach and a person? I, I tell you what, Jim, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, after games, I get to talk to a Hall of Fame guy who's been through everything, won three national championships. I was there year one as a player at the University of Connecticut, so I was a freshman. Um, and to be able to learn from him as a player, and then I got a chance to work with him on his staff. He he, he gave me my first coaching job. Um, as great a family guy, too. For, forget about the wins in basketball. Just a great family guy, but extremely bright and and. and the most driven guy I've ever been around, like always on a mission to win. Like, And uh, I get to talk to him now. We laugh about a lot of stories and he, he watches my team and, you know, he critiques and, and, you know, I, I love it. And, you know, just very thankful and blessed that I had that opportunity and we continue to have an unbelievable relationship. So Steve, finally, quick follow. I always ask this question when you, when you called him the most driven guy you've ever been around in an industry of extremely driven people, what is that? Is he hardwired for that? Is that part of how he came up? Why is that guy so driven? What is the drive he coming really, from? Really? I mean, I think that's part of his upbringing. He's tough. Uh, grew up, you know, in Boston, up, up in that area. And, uh, had a lot of hardships too early on. His father passed away at a young age. He became the father, you know, of his family. Um, you know, I, I've just never been around a guy that driven to win. And whether it be how he went after officials or players or other programs that, you know, at the time when I was at UConn, we were last in the Big East. So you have to climb over a lot of programs to get to first. And he was first a lot in that league. And um, you know, but just, you know, driven and everything he did to be great. And, uh, yeah, just an amazing guy, but extremely, extremely bright and, and loyal. Um, just all great qualities that you can imagine a Hall of Fame coach that's, you know, won three national championships at a place that had won nothing, you know, nothing. Stores Connecticut is no doubt what, what he built. The monster he built there is incredible. He's fierce. Head coach of Rutgers, Steve Peichel, having a great year, and Rutgers just shaking up the Big Ten, doing what they do. Steve, great to have you on. I really did want to talk Rutgers basketball. Thanks for spending time, and good luck this weekend. Jim, thanks so much for having me on. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Go back and talk some more about the Chargers and what happened to them. Brandon Staley still has his gig. So what do they do going forward? Well, not everybody is really ready to give up or move on from what happened over the weekend, as tragic as that was. As an example, if you're not aware, L.A. Chargers star Joey Bosa is not a big fan of the refs. In particular, the ones who happen to work his team's wildcard game on Saturday night against Jacksonville. After initially not wanting to share his opinions on the stripes, after his team's historic dump in their pants, my man got loose. My man changed his mind. And frankly, I'm glad that he did. Because a day later, at his locker, inside his team's facility, my man went in. Never mind that cooling off period. It's like he had a day to think about it and just ramped up. I didn't get into it yesterday, but trust me, the sound and the rant are so unbelievable, this unbelievable. bleep can carry a few more days. Now, if you think that Joe 
was not going to take responsibility and not be accountable for his actions in Jacksonville, actions which included a couple of costly unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, including one which led to a key Jags two-point conversion to pull Jacksonville within two points, two, with only five minutes left in the game. If you thought that he was not owning that and not being accountable for it, he was. He is. He also did not blame the refs for the third largest choke job in NFL playoff history after they choked away a 27-point lead. This guy's not dumb. He knows. He knows they choked. He said as much. Quote, we lost because we bleeping blew it in the second half. End of quote. So it's not that he's not owning it. It's not that he's not acknowledging it. It's not that he's not accountable for it. But once he got all of that out of the way, pissed off Joe went to work. Pissed off Joe acknowledged that a fine was probably coming his way. Honestly, he should have just stroked that check right from his locker because pissed off Joe took a blowtorch to that officiating crew. I need to be more accountable for my actions, obviously, but it's... uh... It's a heated game, and I'm hurting out there. I'm playing on half a leg. I'm getting dragged to the ground, whatever. Could hurt me, along with screwing our team. And, yeah, um, maybe some of them weren't as blatant as I thought, but um, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think there just needs to be more accountability on... Uh, I mean, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they're probably back in the locker room after the game like, I got that. Oh, yeah, got him. 15 yards, what a loser. I guarantee it. That's what they're talking like in the back. Um, Whatever, power trip. I'm sick of those people. And I'm just about my third F-bomb so far. Sorry, but man. Oof. I mean, oof. That is incredible. I mean, how many times do you think guys have had that conversation amongst themselves after a game? But that dude just said it right there into, he spit that into microphones and a camera. That is, oof, incredible. I mean, I'm not even sure what my favorite part of that is. And by the way, notice that was not heat of the moment stuff. That was After the fact, there had been a cooling off period. He just sat there and very matter-of-factly laid that all out. And I'm not sure what my favorite part is. About him saying that the refs were probably back in the ref locker room mocking him with that, ha, 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 got that a-hole. Got that. Like, they're just talking junk. They're clowning him. They're mocking him like, see how I did that guy? See how I got that a-hole? Or how about him ending the rant with that power trip comment and then just blasting away and tagging it with, I'm sick of those effing people. I'm sick of those people. I'm just... Those people being referees. I'm sick of those effing people. Power trip. Power tripping effing people that are probably sitting back in there laughing and saying, you see how I did that, (laughs) a-hole? My man, 40 grand might be cheap for that rant. So on the one hand, I like pissed off Joey Bosa. And I know why he's so bent at the officials, because while it's low-hanging fruit, right now, everybody is bent with the officials, not just him. And while I know that I'm supposed to say, Joe, there's a much better way to handle this than that. I know I'm supposed to say that. I'm just not sure I can, because I'm not sure there is. I don't play for the Chargers. However... I do play. I am on a team. In fact, I'm the captain. Captain of team content. And that right there is incredible sound. That is incredible sound. Incredible content. 
And what do we want from these guys? We want these cats to speak their truth, regardless of whether or not we agree with all of it or any of it. And no, the guy did not blame the loss on the refs. He did say, we choked. And he did admit that some of his decision-making and him losing his cool hurt that team. He owned it. He's accountable. He's accountable. He's just asking that everybody be held accountable. His point is, if we're accountable as players, and if we crack the officials and they fine us, why are the officials not accountable for their crappy performances themselves? Why aren't the refs as well? And I'm sure the NFL will tell you, they are. They are. We have a system for grading them. We have a system for disciplining them. They are. Try telling that to Joey. Like, the officials, in my mind, are having as bad of an offseason as the Chargers just had. As an example, that roughing the passer stuff is making everybody crazy. And again, you have to take care of the quarterback. I understand that. Because without star quarterbacks, you got nothing. Without star quarterbacks, you don't have a product. They have to take care of the quarterbacks. But what's a roughing the passer call now? What is? What isn't? Or should we just assume that everything is? Like that call on Dexter Lawrence Sunday in the Giants-Vikings game was terrible. And it just keeps happening. And it keeps happening. And you know it's going to happen again. And the next time it does happen, it's going to be in an even bigger game on a bigger stage, and the league better just hope that it doesn't cost somebody a game. Because you know damn well that BS is going to rear its ugly head yet again. And yes, this is a different situation with Joey. Joey's livid for the most part in what appear to be some missed false starts. And again, you might think, if you blow a 27-point lead in the playoffs, you've got nobody to blame but yourself, and it's best to keep your mouth shut. I'll meet you halfway. The former is true, but I'm glad that he didn't follow the latter because I'm normally the first guy to say that myself. Not here. Not now. Not if Joey is here to F-bomb the officials. Don't you ever sleep on this cat's ability to destroy people with his words. It's right there on par with his all-world ability to destroy quarterbacks with his play because this is no one-off. We've heard similar things from him in the past, at least with intensity. Joey has had some incredible rants. Don't forget last season when he took Derek Carr to the cleaners. We knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook. And, and you saw on, on CeCe's sack, he was pretty much curling into the ball before we even got back there. So great dude, great player. He's been having a great year. But we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down and he's not as effective with a crowded pocket. So uh, that, was, that was the key. I mean, he's not wrong, right? Look what happened. Look what happened with Derek Carr and the Raiders. I mean, he, he's right. Great dude. Having a great year. Well-liked. But if you hit him, quote, he'll curl up and shut down. Those aren't my words. They're Bosa's, but is he wrong? I mean, just because he's not supposed to say this stuff doesn't mean that this stuff is not true. And I love a dude for saying things that you're not supposed to say that anybody with a pair of eyes and a brain already know, but others don't want to say. Easy for me to say, Joe. I'm not the one that has to scratch the fat check that you're going to have to scratch. It's not my dough. I just hope that it does not deter you from being you in the future. And I promise you, I'm not one of those guys who's off to the side laughing and mocking and clowning you and saying, got that a-hole. I I mean, you need to share in that choke job, big dog. Part of that is on you. But they're not even in position to choke that one away without you, big dog. I would tell you to dial it back just a little bit because they need you and you should. But I really don't want you to. What I want to do is tell you, don't change. Don't ever change. And even if you do, Alvin, we will always have this. 
because this is now an ink and hard copy, and nobody could ever take this from you or me or anybody else. It's a heated game, and I'm hurting out there. I'm playing on half a leg. I'm getting dragged to the ground, whatever. Could hurt me, along with screwing our team. And yeah, um, maybe some of them weren't as blatant as I thought, but um, I don't know. It's uh, I think there just needs to be more accountability on... Uh, I mean, if I say something to them, I get a $40,000 fine, but if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season, they're probably back in the locker room after the game, like, oh, I got that <laughs> Oh, yeah, got him. 15 yards, what a loser. I guarantee it, that's what they're talking like in the back. Um, whatever, power trip. I'm sick of those people, and I'm gonna just about my third F-bomb so far. Sorry, but, man, oof. Sorry for what? One of the greatest rants ever? Apology not accepted. Hey, I got oof. an idea, in fact. I got an idea. Never mind miking him. If you're afraid to do that, or you're not happy with him, NFL... I got an idea for you. The networks are always looking for like some new innovation to take advantage of technology, to set themselves apart from the competition. Here's an idea. Bosa actually just came up with it, or he gave me the idea for the idea. What we should get are live look-ins on the ref locker room, especially after the game. The refs high-fiving each other after giving Bosa 15 yards and getting him to chuck his helmet. I mean, that was great and all, but if we're talking all-time, quote, got hims, why stop there? You can imagine if what he says is true and these guys were in their locker room afterwards going, got that a-hole, wasn't that awesome? What a loser. If that's, I'm not saying they are. This is what he's saying. But if this is what the refs do, could you imagine the party and the champagne that got popped by the refs after the Rams-Saints playoff game when they no-called the most blatant pass interference ever on Roby Coleman? There was a dude who was damn near decapitated in that game. And no call. If what Bosa is saying is true, the refs were probably double-fisting Coors cans. That's the kind of access we want. Turn the cameras on that. Instead of protecting these guys at all times and never letting them talk and never letting us know what you do and how you discipline them, networks slash NFL, let us in. Let us in. You know, the line judges were covering the lockers with plastic tarp when they screwed, quote, that a-hole, end of quote, Charles Woodson on the tuck rule. Hey, Chuck, I'm just playing this out, pretending you're not an a-hole. You're the man. I love Charles Woodson. However, to play out the thought, they probably tarped and busted out the plastic and were handing each other's goggles while double-fisting cores. Blasting their ref music. What kind of music do you think refs listen to, generally? Probably blasting their old school ref jazz or something. Drunk, live streaming it to their ref buddies. Snapping their ref buddies. I'll bet you the refs doing that Des Bryant no catch call. Probably never had to buy another beer when they're hanging with their fellow refs ever again. Probably never had to pick up a tab ever again with their fellow refs if what Bosa says is true. Power trip. I'm sick of those people. Not even those guys. Those people. Power trip. I'm sick of those effing people. Is incredible. Hey, I probably shouldn't be glorifying it, but it's incredible. When have you ever seen a guy sit by his locker and just do that? When they've made it, the league's made it so clear. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Do not bag the refs. It's going to cost you a lot of money. 
The integrity of the game is at stake. Do not do that. We've given them every tool possible, replay officials, help from New York to prevent this sort of thing. You know what the problem is? My man Gene Steratore can't be in every game at every time, unfortunately. This would never happen on Gene's watch. I love Gene Steratore. Nobody better. Except maybe Bosa. What a rant. What an all-time rant. It doesn't make the biggest choke ever go away. Actually, third biggest choke ever go away. But man, that was something else. 15 yards, what a loser. See, see what I mean? I could break that thing down line by line, and I'm still not able to tell you what my favorite part was. Him saying that the other refs were back in their other little ref locker room saying 15 yards. What a loser. I kind of got that. Got that, a-hole. What a loser. And the thing is, I've never been Screwing our team. in one of those, quote, little ref locker rooms, but I'll bet part of that does go on. I bet there is some of that that goes on. I'm not saying they're all like that. And I'm not saying that's the reaction after every game. And I'm not saying these guys aren't really professional and prepared and trying hard. But you can't tell me that some of that doesn't get personal. Absolutely. I'm sick of those people. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Who is the most popular man in New York City right now? Not named Rich Ackerman. Odyssey employees do not count. Who is the most popular man in New York City? Not DA. It would be DA. Odyssey employees do not count. Who is the most popular man in New York City? Quite obviously... It is the dude who brought the G-Men back from the dead. The dude who has finally developed Daniel Jones to be worthy of his nickname. The dude who has brought fire and edge and competitive football back to the Tiffany organization. I'm talking, of course, of Brian Dable, a.k.a. that dude. This dude could run for mayor right now And even Jets fan would vote for him. Because the big man has changed everything about Big Blue. Even Big Blue's biggest haters have to be impressed with this turnaround. Think about it this way. Incredibly, well, actually not incredibly, we know why. But the Giants didn't even pick up Danny Dimes' fifth-year option heading into this season. That's how little direction this organization had less than a year ago. That's how little they thought of their quarterback less than a year ago. So don't let anybody tell you they saw this vanilla Vic breakout coming. Because the Giants didn't see it coming, or they would have picked up that option. They absolutely would have locked that dude down for an extra year. This was supposed to be a show-me season for Daniel Jones and the rest of the Giants. And instead, they're playing on Divisional Weekend. After going up to Mini and beating some Viking ass. Yeah, they showed me, all right. They showed everybody 
They showed everybody they're a damn solid football team way ahead of schedule. So, of course, the architect of this turnaround is being deified and worshipped by the New York media and Giants fan alike. And I mean deified and I mean worshipped. Like he was basically asked in a press conference yesterday if he was the Lord and Savior himself. And, of course, Dave's had a priceless response. Yeah, one quickie. Have you uh, tried to walk on water or multiply uh, loaves and fish today? Have I? (laughs) Yes. Tom, I would sink like a son of a (laughs) I mean, he's got them eating out of his stubby hands. This dude. Have you tried to walk on water today. Have I? <laughs> yes. Tom, I would sink like a son of a Laughing at his jokes, talking about how he'd sink like a son of a bitch. Because he's fat. Man, there, there's your coach of the year right there. I mean, Doug Peterson's done an amazing job. There are others deserving of votes. But how do you argue with that, son of a bitch? Tom, I would sink like a son of a bitch. (laughs) That's your coach of the year with the answer of the year. And it's true, too. That part about him sinking like a son of a bitch. Because somehow my dude looks like he does pick up 10 pounds every single week. Every week, his legend grows. And so does his waistline. But at least we can all joke about it. He's the first one to joke about it. And by the way, who the hell cares whether or not that guy's getting in the gym and throwing the weights around if he's winning? And not only winning, but winning with the Giants. And not only winning and winning with the Giants, but doing it in year one. That's why it's me, he's your coach of the year. If I had a vote, I would give it to him. Nothing against Kyle Shanahan, who's done an amazing job. Navigating three quarterbacks in one season. An amazing job. Nothing against Nick Sirianni. But we all saw the talent on the Eagles. Nothing against Doug Peterson, who's gone from worst to first. In fact, if any one of those guys actually did win, I wouldn't have an enormous problem with it. But to me, nobody's done a better job with what they have and accomplished more than Dable. Nobody saw it coming. We knew they couldn't be any worse than they were with Joe, the leader of men, running things there. But nobody saw this coming. The Giants themselves cannot say they saw this coming. Not this much, not this soon. So no, Dave's can't walk on water. No, he can't turn water into wine. No, he would just sink in water like a son of a bitch. Tom, I would sink like a son of a bitch. <laughs> because the dude's not a savior. Just a damn good football coach. Damn good football coach. And I'm going to argue the best football coach in the NFL this season. A miraculous job. Miraculous. Just look at Danny Dimes. Look how good a quarterback this guy actually is. Not how well he's playing but how good and effective a quarterback this guy is. If you had ever said to me at any point during his tenure that they would go to him and say, hey, yo, it's on you. You need to win this playoff game. Not only you need to win this regular season game, I wouldn't even trust this guy to win an exhibition game. Go win this road playoff game. In what world could that have ever happened? No, no. And what I mean by that is, in what world will that conversation ever even take place? Hey, Daniel, go win this road playoff game. Not only did the conversation obviously take place, if you watch that game, he did it. I'm not saying that that's all, Dable. A hell of a lot of it is, though. Hey, Romy, I had no idea. My call to the show would launch me into local stardom and give me the adoration of the entire city of New York. But I enthusiastically accept the title of most popular man in New York City. Regards, 
John in New York impersonating Drizzle. Drizzle, what's up? Roman Rome, what's happening, partner? What's up, dude? Nothing much, Roman Rome. I can't call it, man. Take my golden ticket. Now, Jim, take my golden ticket. Ah. Incredible. Do you know you know what's funny about that? That actual email was really funny. And what makes it even more incredible is Geoff sent it. I had no idea my call to the show would launch me into local stardom and give me the adoration of the entire city of New York, but I enthusiastically accept the title of quote, most popular man in New York City regards John's in, John in New York impersonating Drizzle. I can't call him man. I mean, Geoff, that's some of your best work. Nowhere near on par with John did. John's best. That right there. John's best. What's happening, partner? Beats the best of many other much more pedigreed clones. Like John, John went to a level. You want to talk about leveling up. I didn't know he had that. I didn't know he had that gear. I didn't know he had that in him. I'm still blown away by that call. Take my man, my John, you want to talk about ticket. reinvention. Take my golden ticket. Let's go to the phones. We go to South Carolina. Stewart. Good to have you, Stewart. What's up? Yes, sir. So these Cowboy fans, they uh talking trash. We them boys. Um, They beat a 45-year-old quarterback with no O-line, no D-line. We'll see in five days when they head out west to Santa Clara. Uh, they have a top 10 O-line, number one defense with a guy last name Bosa. Uh, we have a top five tight end in George Kittle. We have a top five receiver in Debo, the man Samuel. And we have a young guy named Mr. Brock Purdy. When they come out west, they will be sipping on Yak Prescott by 830. I think the game comes on at 6.30. The Niners Nation will be sipping on Yak Prescott by 8.30. Guaranteed. All right, Stuart, I like it. I like a guy with a take. A lot of wheeze, though. My man, are you part of that 53-man roster? What position do you play? I don't remember you in any of the player intros. Robert in the Bay Area. Robert, what's up? How are you? I'm doing great, my man. Hey, listen, Tom Brady is the GOAT, without a doubt. But now he's a three-time loser because he just lost his beautiful wife. He just lost hundreds of millions in the FTX scandal. And he's got his first losing season. So if I'm Doc Holliday, I'm going to walk up to Tom and say, Why, Tom Brady, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. With all that said, He's going to be a Raider. And it's because John Gruden isn't there to screw it up and say, oh, no, I don't want him uh, uh, competing with my ego. So go Raiders. We love the Raiders. And I laid four. Yeah, I bought the half point on the Niners. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, Robert. There you go, Matt in L.A. What's going on, Matt? Hey, Jim Rome. Since the days Gary Plummer was the SoCal murder plumber, snot bubbling fools, even before your boy Matt in L.A. took over the title. Since Billy Joe Gunrack was holding the clipboard for Stan Smoke a Heater at halftime Humphreys as a backup QB, I've had your back, Jim. But never have I, and never will I, have the back of the San Diego puker chargers. Super chokers. I took pure joy in watching Stan Kroenke's Section 8 SoFi tenant collapse like I. Ray Craig's cardboard condo in that torrential downpour over the weekend. As brand dumb Staley took the chokers to new depth Saturday night. So as Silkinson and the other 15 L.A. Charger fans stare at the glory of that perpetually empty ass trophy case, as surfer boy Herbert puts his locks in a man bun to search for tasty waves with Spicoli at Rat Beach, I'm going to quote Willy Wonka. 
You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. That's all I got, Jimmy. War Jim Rome using the classic Matt in L.A. tagline of you're welcome in his Wendy's commercials. War Sprinkles using a corn stock as a pimp scepter on the dirt roads of Wichita. Outro. Wow, dude. Nice job, Matt. Good night now.